0: It's that time of year. We have been working on cleaning up our front yard for, I don't know, about the last week. And it just seems like a lost cause because no sooner than do we rake some up and grab a big pile, you know, the more falls off the tree and and it looks. So these are the joys of the fall season. Uh, Of course, Laura loves taking pictures you know, so we're just, you know, f- fascinated with the peak colors. And, you know, it is nice, I guess, to take a ride up the parkway or something like that. And, you know, the further you go north, the more colors you have and what have you. And one of our favorite places to go is uh, Kensico Dam. We like going there to walk. And uh, some of these pictures are actually from, uh, from Kensico Dam. And it's it's very pretty there. And... Uh, you know, particularly the last couple of days, it's been so, so wonderful, so warm and everything, just uh, unbelievable. But uh, it was a couple of weeks ago, I think, a couple of weeks ago, that um, we were up at the dam and we were doing our walking and all of a sudden we noticed that some strange artifacts started appearing around Kensico Dam. Now this—it's the middle of October, guys, right? You know, and and at first we d- we didn't quite know what to to make of it, but you know these these strange artifacts, you know, they just they just seemed a little bit a little bit out of place, and all of a sudden then we were walking around and walking around, and and then all of a sudden we saw this, and it started. From Finally, to make sense. So, here we are, middle of October. Now we're in the the beginning of November, and we have the winter wonderland. And they do this every year up at Kensico Dam. And, you know, truth be told, it's it's really pretty. If you drive past there at night, you see all of the lights and you see the place lit up, and it's and it's really really pretty and. Uh, I'm sure the young people enjoy it very much when they go there, and you know clearly, oh am I pressing the wrong one there we go, and clearly they want us to have a ball <laughs> right, and it even looks like the balls are breeding, if you ask me, so we've got you know it looks like the mama and the daddy over there, and you know there's there's a whole litter of them uh and uh and they're they're reproducing so Here's where it begins. We're we're getting into that that time of year. It's uh, it's definitely uh, a certain season uh, of the year, you know. So, who doesn't keep pressing the wrong button? Here we go. Uh, who doesn't like a winter wonderland? It's it's cute. The 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 decorating, you know, the Christmas cards, you know, starting to plan the family dinners. Um, parties and you know going to crowded malls and trying to get through armies of people and shopping we we kind of avoid it this time of year it's it's just a thing a thing with us we love amazon we love shopping online that's that's pretty much that's pretty much how we do it but just to name a few things you know some of the trappings and some of the things that you see this time of year and if starting the holiday rush in early november doesn't make you a, just a little twitchy? I know it makes me a little twitchy, right? If it doesn't make you just a little twitchy, watch this. Everything in TV and video, remember we are not undersold. We will not be undersold. We cannot be undersold. And we mean it. It's Crazy Eddie's Christmas and all these TV and video blowout slips. See Crazy Eddie now? His prices are insane. <laughs> If Crazy Eddie can have a, and, and I'm dating myself, and that's a real commercial from the 80s. I mean, you guys, I see a lot of heads nodding up and down. So if Crazy Eddie can have a Christmas sale in August, I felt like it would be okay to have an early message about the incarnation. And and that's the word that I'll particularly be using today, the incarnation. Why can't I have a message about that in early November, Right and maybe next year we'll do this again in August. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see how that all pans out. Anyway, uh, I do want to talk about the incarnation. Oh. <laughs> I do want to talk about... It. No, let's not do that again. Uh, I do want to talk about the incarnation particularly uh, today. And I'm sure that we all realize as, as Christians and followers of Jesus that the incarnation and the resurrection are kind of like the bookends of our faith. It's the appearance of God and then God culminating his plan in death and resurrection. During that last song that we sung it talked about walls being broken down and about hills being climbed up and that's the, the, the picture that we also have in the Incarnation and the Resurrection. I do get a little concerned that the significance of the Incarnation is kind of drowned out a little bit and it's kind of lost in the mad rush that is already appearing to be started this, this time of year and it accelerates as we get closer to Thanksgiving and then you know when you get up to Thanksgiving and the day after Thanksgiving then it's we only have 25 Christmas shopping days left until Christmas and I, I really don't want it to get lost because the incarnation is a seminal significant event for all of us as Christians and also for the world we were, we were watching some TV last night and we were scrolling through what, what was on TV and I think it was on TBS or one of, one of the cable channels already playing Christmas movies. They had that classic movie on Elf. <laughs> I don't know what people see in that movie but anyway your daughter probably likes it right? Anyway uh, and a Christmas story right? But the real Christmas story is God coming to visit mankind. So when we, get, when we look at these bookends, we get kind of the end-to-end message, right? Have you ever contemplated specifically why Jesus set aside the glory he had with the Father and entered time and space as a human being? So what I'd like to do for the balance of today's time is to go through the who, what, when, where, why, how of the Incarnation. So first, we'll talk about the what. So the, car- the Incarnation of Jesus Christ is no less than God entering time and space. God becoming a part of his creation. God coming into the lives and the existence that we lead. We have to remember that God created time and space. He exists apart from time and space. He is not subject to it. But experientially, it's all that we know. You know, you want to talk about breaking down a wall that exists between God's state of existence and our existence? And there we do have it. That is the what of incarnation it is the most significant thing that could happen how did it happen well it happened by God being born into a flesh and blood body through a human being now the where and the when The when was somewhere around 6 to 2 BC. So the monks in the Middle Ages who looked at the calendars and looked at the dating made some errors in their calculations. But even today, theologians and scholars still debate about the actual year of Jesus' birth. Now, what I can tell you is pretty assuredly almost assuredly that Jesus was not born on December 25th or in the middle of the winter uh, right around the winter solstice now the scholars I guess are kind of split on it there are some people who say that it was probably that it may have been in the fall but the vast majority of theologians posit that Jesus was born in the springtime doesn't matter it's really not all that relevant what is relevant is that jesus was born and that he did come and speak to us directly and the where of course was israel palestine whatever you whatever you want to call it that little swath of land west of the jordan river that just seems to be a stumbling block to so many even to this to this day But God came to the descendants of Abraham to the people to whom he had previously made the promises that are all contained in the Old Testament and the history of those people. And he came at a time when Israel was still in somewhat of a captive state. Now it, it was different. Israel had been in and out of captivity. The Romans' policy was that they did not really interfere in the religious practices of the conquered lands. So the Jews pretty much could do what they wanted to do in terms of worship. Then the who, we have to realize or we have to talk about who Jesus was. You know, Jesus said of himself, before Abraham was, I am. And Jesus had an eternal pre-existence with the Father. And Paul wrote in his letter to the Philippians, he says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself of nothing, nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And this is what God did for us. And that was something that the people of the day and the particularly the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leaders, they they just could not deal with that, that Jesus said of himself that he was the Messiah, the Son of God, and that before Abraham was, that he was, that he existed. What I want to spend a little bit more time talking about, though, is the why. Why did Jesus come? Why did he come? So God had raised up Moses for ancient Israel and Moses led Israel out of captivity, brought them out into the wilderness and gave them 10 commandments to follow, which the people found very challenging to do and they fell into idolatry and were not very successful at doing that and it angered Moses so much that he broke the tablets which maybe symbolized in a way the breaking of that early covenant that God made with human beings, the children of Abraham, that he freed from Egypt. And it's explained to us by Paul in the New Testament that the law then that emerged out of the forty years in, in the wilderness was added because of the transgressions of the people so the first set of guidelines the first set of instruction that God gave to his chosen people was not something that they were able to abide by then the law was added all of the rules and the regulations about the sacrifices and all the things that would need to be done in a repeating cycle year after year and the priestly class were to be the intermediaries of all of that they would be the ones that would conduct the sacrifices they would be the ones that would be the teachers of the people And then along with the priests, later came, and alongside of, and in addition to, came a long, long line of prophets and warnings and course corrections. When the law was restated in the book of Deuteronomy, right? So Deuteronomy, that's what the fifth book of Moses, the fifth book of uh, the Torah, if you will, is a restating of the law. And in the beginning of the book of Deuteronomy is the portion that Jesus quoted when he was challenged about what is the greatest commandment. You know, and of course, you might remember the words of Jesus that he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your mind. And this is written in the beginning of the book of Deuteronomy. So always from the beginning, Right, God's intention, God's way was simply what Jesus stated about loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself. Before Jesus was crucified and killed, he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. My commandment is that you love one another as I have loved you. So why the law? So the law was a rules-based culture, a rules-based system, maybe is a better way to put it, that was given to the people of Israel. And I've excerpted a bunch of verses here from the book of Galatians in Paul's letter to the Galatians about the law so it's too small for me to read from my notes so he says for if a law had been given that could impart light life then righteousness would certainly have come by the law so there was nothing wrong with the law the problem was always with the people a person is not justified by the works of the law but by faith in Jesus Christ so we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law because by the works of the law no one will be justified so the rules of the law even though they would lead to a right relationship with God could still not impart justification moving on to 221 I do not set aside the grace of God for if righteousness could be gained through the law Christ died for nothing and there you have it Christ had to come there had to be a sacrifice he says further I would like to learn just one thing from you did you receive the spirit by the works of the law Or by believing what you heard? So again, I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law? Or by your believing what you heard? For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. It is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything, everything written in the book of the law. Clearly no one who relies on the law is justified for God because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says, the person who does these things will live by them. So, God raised up Moses he gave the Ten Commandments. He set up the system of the priesthood with all of the laws. And he gave prophets. So, why the priests? The priests. At the end of the age of the prophets we have the last book in the Old Testament as we know it the book of Malachi and in, in my understanding in my studies it seems to me like the book of Malachi encompasses the entire line of all of the prophets and it's, it's a very harsh book it would take you about 15 minutes to read it from end to end. So in Malachi chapter 2, there's an indictment of the priestly class. So Malachi writes, giving the words of God, And now you priests, this warning is for you. If you do not listen, if you do not resolve to honor my name, says the Lord Almighty, I will send a curse on you, and I will curse Your blessings. Yes, I have already cursed them because you have not resolved to honor me. Because of you, I will rebuke your descendants. I will smear on your faces the dung from your festival sacrifices, and you will be carried off with it. This is pretty strong language, eh? For the lips of a priest ought to preserve knowledge because he is the messenger of the Lord Almighty. And people seek instruction from his mouth. But you have turned from the way and by your teaching have caused many to stumble. You have violated the covenant with Levi, says the Lord Almighty. So I have caused you to be despised and humiliated before all the people because you have not followed my ways, but you have shown partiality in matters of the law so the people couldn't follow the Ten Commandments the priests were not doing what they were supposed to be doing why would God institute institute such a system why would he do that people like to take matters into their own hands people like to believe that they're in control of their destiny. The nation of Israel was also influenced by the nations that were around them, right? But as a nation, they were not able to carry out what had been commanded and what had been shown to them. So then God sends prophets, and the prophets are constantly telling them, to change their way, amend what they're, being, what they're doing, to come back to what the original idea was of God and mankind being together. That tabernacle in the wilderness was always there right in the middle, God's very presence. But the people were constantly drifting away. And the prophets were constantly trying to draw them back, pointing out what was going wrong. We humans like to be self-sufficient, but we constantly prove ourselves to be unable. Now, as I mentioned, Malachi is the last prophet. He wrote approximately 433 B.C. There's only one book in the Old Testament, the book of Nehemiah, which is more of a historical uh, recording of things that happened, but Malachi was the last prophet approximately 500 years before Jesus started his public ministry half a millennium and at the very 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 end of the book of Malachi you have this summation of all of the prophets that had come before him and Malachi writes See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. So he will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of their children to the parents or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. The end. That is how the Old Testament, the last prophet, the last word from God ends. In the Tanakh which is the Hebrew Bible that last verse is translated he will turn back to God the hearts of the fathers with their sons and the hearts of the sons with their fathers or else I will come and strike the land with utter utter destruction. But it adds something. It repeats the verse that precedes it. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and awesome day of Hashem. Hashem was just the word that was used in the Hebrew scriptures for God's name. So wherever we use, uh, or in our more modern translations, we use the word Lord, which is the tetragram, the Y-H-W-H, but that name was considered too sacred to be spoken aloud. So in the Hebrew scriptures, the word Hashem was used, and Hashem just literally means the name, right? So it's a placeholder for the tetragram Y-H-W-H. But, um, uh, at the end of the Tanakh, the last verse in the book of Malachi, they repeat, Behold, I send you Elijah the prophet. It was, it was too dour, right? It, look at how that ends. I will, you know, I will strike the earth with total destruction and utter destruction. They, they couldn't let it end that way. So they repeat, the coming of Elijah the prophet. And that's fortuitous because Jesus would be coming. Jesus, even though it wasn't part of that particular book. So without Jesus, this is what it looks like. The end, nothing. There's nothing more. But Jesus, we know from the book of Revelation, is the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the earth. So it was always God's intention that Jesus would come. He is the faithful high priest. He is the one that breaks down the walls between humankind and God. Author of the book of Hebrews writes, In the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed heir of all things. Later on, But we do see Jesus who is made a little lower than the angels now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God for whom and through whom everything else exists should be made the pioneer of their salvation through what he suffered. And again, I will put my trust in him. I, I just, I'm just i going to skip this one. But um, what we have instead when we turn the page is... We have the Gospels, we have the Acts, we have letters of Paul, we have Hebrews. See, Jesus' family is our past, present, and future. And I would submit to you that the entirety of the incarnation, the meaning of it, cannot be reduced to a single day. It is really something that I would hope that we could consider almost every day the holidays that we have that are coming are fun they're filled with family they're filled with good food they're filled with excitement it's a happy time but please please remember what the day is supposed to symbolize which is the first bookend of our salvation it's God breaking down the walls it's God entering time and space it's God becoming flesh and blood and in my opinion I you know we celebrate Christmas and we have a great time with it but in my opinion we don't hear enough about incarnation and what it means at this at this time of year so soon we'll be moving into the Advent season uh, I don't know what Dave has in mind this year but I'm sure he'll he'll have something good for us um, these were some of the themes that we that we hit upon last year and probably will hear more about again this year but uh, I just wanted to to leave you with, with this thought that God loves you he came and he entered his own creation so that we would know that there is a better way that our justification is not through our own works our justification is through him and through his love and that it is the free gift of God in Jesus Christ.